The TFCC Podcast, brought to you by Bespoke Cricket, Rutland's premium cricket brand. For the best bats, pads and gloves, check out bespoke-cricket.co.uk. Here's what's coming up on the podcast. There's obviously a lot of potential there, technically one of the best technical batters that we've got. If you're going to be a role model like that, there are responsibilities that come with it. What added value is this character bringing? It is all about confidence. You've been picked because you do your skill really well. Now, on with the podcast. Hi and welcome guys to episode 3 of the TFCC podcast, Life of a Cricket Coach. I'm Tom Flowers, ECB Level 4 Coach and Director of the TFCC Group Limited. Guys, what a week it's been. A lot to go through, a few topics to touch on today, so I want to give you a quick outline of um, today's podcast. We're going to start with um, looking briefly at the test match um, against New Zealand and how things went with that from a coaching perspective. I also would like to look at... um, a couple of things to do with integrating youngsters into teams. Um, a few examples in the last week or fortnight of senior players um, dominating in certain games and they've made the news and I think it's worth touching on with that. Uh, I'd also like to um, obviously give you the Tom's Top Tip of the Week, which hopefully will give you some practical advice to take away in your coaching toolbox. And then we'll finish with looking at sort of roles, expectations of players. Okay? Right, guys. So, just to kick us off, this week, um, what a win it was for England at the Test match. So, from a coaching perspective, um, and obviously McCullum's first game in charge, it, I felt the tone was set by him... Um, in the way England bowled in the first innings. And a quick look at the stats I was watching with the highlights really showed that I think England's average length was a metre fuller than it was this time last summer. So a lot of coaches were saying that England were bowling too short last summer and the evidence was, I think it was seven and a half metres average length last summer, six and a half this summer. And in English conditions with the types of bowlers that we've got, Broad in particular, Anderson, you know, if these guys are bowling fuller, the bottom line is, from a coaching perspective, batters get less time to react. So if the ball is going to do a little bit, move off the seam, swing, um, you know, go off the straight, I think it's really important to encourage players that you're far better off getting driven. You know, we have a, I have a saying, you know, you'd rather get driven than cut and pulled. And I think that at whatever level of coaching, that is such an important message to to give. Before we carry on any further though, I would just like to say very briefly two things, a couple of good luck messages. Number one, good luck to the um, England disability side who are currently, who I used to work with for six years, who are currently touring Australia. Uh, I was lucky enough to go on their last tour. Um, so I'd like to wish the skipper Chris Edwards and all of the guys in the touring party that have gone over there, a lot of colleagues, a lot of players I've worked with, the best of luck on there trip and tour. Secondly, good luck to our lead coach, Ben, who is taking his England physical disability side for a T20 curtain raiser this week at New Road, Worcester. Uh, This Friday, you can get down and watch um, the England physical disability side take on the Lord Taverners. Uh, That's the side that Ben's in charge of, the the PD side. Uh, That'll be a curtain raiser to their T20 blast game, which follows after. So if you do get a chance to to get down to New Road, um, I'll certainly be trying to get over there. Please do. Um, it be really worth watching and to see the great work that, that these guys are, are doing. And as they say, you know, 
looking to see the ability rather than the disability. I think that's a clear message that comes out of disability cricket. Okay, so um, coming back to the test match, I think after the first innings, obviously, um, the the way that England approached their second innings was a lot more positive. I felt that the collapse we saw in the first innings, you know, the, the talks of same old England, um, there's no doubt that at the level these guys are playing, or any level, that it's going to play on their mind. The amount of batting collapses that the country's had in the last 12 to 18 months, the only real way of getting over that is by putting it right when you're out there. And I think that the new era of McCullum and Stokes and the positivity these guys bring is going to be a huge, huge positive to the brand of cricket that we play. I do think that with a selection of the likes of Lees... Um, who adds some calmness to the side. I still think there perhaps is room for one more batter in the top six who can just occupy the crease. I do think at the moment, looking down, you know, Root, Root's head and shoulders ahead of most, but Crawley, Pope, these guys, they all want to... They're almost trying to compete to play at the same tempo, whereas actually the guy that's going to drop anchor and, and rebuild... Um, and just take time out of the game, and and what that does is that you know, like Lee has got twenty odd, didn't he? And I think that 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 was underestimated, underrated because the time he took out of the game, just batting, and you're wearing the bowlers down, you're wearing the ball out. I think it's an underrated skill. So I do hope I like this message that McCullum's giving, which is you know we want players to all express themselves and play their way in the way they want to play. I do think that that requires a tighter selection uh, policy and consistent, more consistent balanced selection than we have seen in the last sort of 12 to 18 months. Just a couple of players to pick out. Number one, um, a lot of guys are talking about Ollie Pope. Now, I heard an interesting thing about him that he's just not really worked out the tempo that he wants to bat at. So just to explain to guys who are listening who are not too sure what that means, what they're talking about is there are different types of players. You know, players who want to go from ball one, players who are happy to go through the gears. Um, so uh, the first example might be um, Johnny Bairstow or a David Warner. You've got guys then who want to go, who are happy to go through the gears. So you know, Joe Root, for example, classic sort of stroke player, Michael Vaughan, and. What they're talking about, and then you've got guys who just occupy the crease, so the likes of Sibley, that are just happy to bat, bat time. And there's a place for all of these guys, but it's about having clarity and knowing what you are and what it is that you want to do. And like we were saying about Pope, is, is that he's got all the attributes. You think of a young Ian Bell, you know, and there's obviously a lot of potential there, technically one of the best technical batters that we've got. But Pope's really got to work out now, I think, from a coaching perspective, how it is he wants to play. And, and that's what... Hussain was saying on commentary, said he looks very fidgety, lots of nervous energy being wasted. There's being busy at the crease, but then there's being fidgety as sort of a coping mechanism of, of not feeling that comfortable. Um, and I think as a coach, you look for a player being relaxed as possible at the crease, obviously with with an intent. Any energies that are used outside of of striking the ball or running between the wickets, etc., you consider as a wasted energy. So it's interesting. It's interesting how Probe approached it. I'll be looking forward to seeing how he does in the rest of the series and the rest of the summer. I thought Broad Anderson coming back into the side was fantastic. I think that Stokes has obviously been very clear saying it's my team, I'll pick my players, which I really like that. There's a time for democracy. There's also a time for someone to take the reins. And I think that's what maybe where 
Silverwood a little bit of a people pleaser from the outside, whereas nope, this is what we're doing. Get on with it, make a decision. These are the guys, these are my reasons, and move on. That's the test match. Now, thing to move on to I'd like to look at now is the role of senior players in the development of young cricketers. And the reason this is prominent is because there was a game a week or so ago now where Ricky Clark, ex Warwickshire, Surrey, England cricketer scored 215, 230 in a league game or whatever he scored against a club's third team. And oh, to say this, guys, have a look on social media. Some of the threads are very interesting. I've read through them and I've got my views, which I'll share in a minute. But the the crux of it is, is that um, there's always going to be guys that step out of the professional game, um, either at the end of their career or whilst they're playing or around coming through, who are clearly head and shoulders above of anyone in the amateur game. You know, your average amateur cricketer that turns up on a Saturday, plays his cricket or her cricket, enjoys it, wants to wants a good result, but th they've got no interest in becoming a professional cricketer. They've got their money to Friday job, a profession maybe, or whatever it might be, or a trade. And the counter-argument here, and one bloke in particular, I suspect he was involved with the opposition, but I'm not too sure, he took real objection to Clark's, um, you know, 200 and whatever, and, um, you know, his view was that it's ruining the game and, you know, he's getting paid to play. If he's going to do that, why isn't he playing, you know, Prem cricket or Div 1 cricket? I think that was the point. I think dropping down to playing against a, a, a division that, where you're playing against club third teams, I sort of got that viewpoint. Now, Clark fired back quite honestly and candidly and openly on his replies and sort of said, you know, I've moved to the area, it's my local club, I've done a lot for the club here. He mentioned he doesn't get paid. I suspect that yeah, a lot of players will say they don't get paid, but he might be remunerated for coaching or he might be able to use facilities to coach. Or I, I'd be very surprised if a guy who's playing professional cricket last year is doing something like that. For nothing if there is no vested interest whatsoever so i would question that but i thought it was quite refreshing for him to say look i want to give back to my local club and you know he, a lot of the things he's saying he, he was spraying the patios down and helping out with their club mark day and i just think that that is regardless of his motives or his um uh, motivations on that the fact that he is doing that and he's doing it willingly and the only question I have is it has to be done in the right way. And if you're going to be a role model like that, there are responsibilities that come with it. So if he is in cajoling youngsters and encouraging them to, um, you know, things like availability and committing and warming up properly and helping them on the field and everything, coaching them on the day, I think that's really good and that's a real positive. And I've seen it where senior pros like that can do that really well and the added value you then get and that's the big phrase i want to look at here sort of going forward is added value what added value is this character bringing to the changer now i can't answer that for, for for ricky clark i've played in some sides where the pro has been unbelievable um all the overseas and helpful and happy to share knowledge ideas and really grab the club by the nether regions and, and, and drag drag guys with them. I've also seen this, probably more with oppositions than anything, where it's done really badly and guys are clearly either hopping from club to club for more cash or they've got no other interest in themselves or they leave halfway through a season. 
And basically, there's no added value. It's a one-way relationship. It's take, take, take. So I think that providing this is done in the right way and it's viewed as a development opportunity for the next generation, I think it's a good thing when pros drop down to club cricket. There was, I think Wes Durston got 170 not out off 20 or 4 overs in a Sunday game um, two weeks ago. Again, it I do see the two sides to it. It's very, very easy to sit in my ivory tower because I wasn't chasing leather you know, for 230 runs for 20, 20 odd overs. I wasn't chasing it round. Um, at the same time, I also wasn't a youngster in that team maybe batting with him that day who was mentored by him who you know could learn from him whilst out there on the field so there is two sides to it what i don't think is reasonable is guys sort of saying you know you should get to 100 and just walk off for because i think that is insulting the game itself and the opposition good players should be switched on enough to be able to manipulate the ball around and and rotate the strike and get the young lad on strike whoever it might be so I think there's a role there for the for the senior pro to manipulate things slightly so that for the bigger picture, but I certainly don't think that the guys should be giving their wicket away or just walking off the field because, you know, at the same time everyone turns up to win and you don't want to feel that them people are sort of taking liberties and and undermining the game itself so very interesting debate that I just thought I'd share that with you I'd love to get people's opinions on that from sort of playing senior pros in, in club games okay um I've sort of got a few golden rules which are going to form my top tips this week so integrating young players into sides it's a question I get asked all the while how do we get the 14 15 year old keen cricketer playing senior cricket you know we want to get them playing oh but he doesn't fancy it mum or dad doesn't think he's ready oh he's got a season ticket down the football or you know whatever it might be and I just think it is all about confidence confidence and that is the confidence you are giving the player that they will get the following they'll get opportunity they will get a consistent run in the team and they will also get played in their rightful position and by that i mean if they're an opening batter they open the batting if they're a top order batter they bat in the top five too often i see guys yeah you're playing today yeah you're at your eight first team w you're at eight so that is our role as a captain or as a coach to provide confidence. You've got to be a confidence giver. We'll touch on more on that in, in, in the next episode. But you've got to give confidence. And as a captain or a coach, easy, quick wins. And these are my top tips for the week. Give them confidence by telling them that you back them. Telling them they're going to get a run of games in the side. Not going to get dropped for four or five games. They're going to, and that as a player, I've been on the receiving end, relaxes you unbelievably. Knowing that you've got four or five opportunities. Whew, massive weight off your shoulders but also knowing that they're going to bat or bowl in the position that you've picked them for. Okay, A great line I'm going to leave you with for a top tip this week is the following. You've been picked because you do your skill really well. So don't try and do anything different. Just go and do what you do usually, what has got you selected. Go and do that because you do it well. And as a player, having sat on both sides of the fence, that's a massive, massive confidence boost. Okay, guys, that sort of brings to an end our week. Short, sharp podcast today. I hope you've enjoyed the content today. As I said, 
be great if I can get some more feedback on these podcasts. Some of the feedback so far has been fantastic. We have got guests lined up at some point once the uh, podcast is, is up and running a bit further. It'll be great to get feedback on it. Uh, please do like, subscribe and follow us because it's just great that we can keep this momentum going. And I really hope that people listening in are getting a bit back out of this. You know, understanding things from a slightly different perspective, getting you to think maybe differently, understanding the fence, you know, the side of the fence where the players are, where the coaches are. And I hope you're feeling there's some value into me getting on, on these podcasts once a week, once every 10 days, and bringing you insights, information, knowledge, viewpoints, whatever it might be. Thanks a lot, guys. We'll see you next time for episode four. You enjoyed this podcast? Be sure to leave us a review and follow us so you never miss an episode.